This communication was prepared for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice. All opinions or views reflect the judgment of the authors as of the broadcast date and are subject to change without notice. Julius Wealth Advisors, LLC, is a registered investment advisor. Our disclosure brochure, available at advisorinfo.sec.gov or through contacting us, provides further detail about our business services and fees. Wealth Advisors. Welcome to episode nine of the Big Bo Show. We got a special show for you today. Back to school season is upon us. We're having a special topic that is near and dear to my heart, as you know, as you've listened to the Big Bo Show, brought to you by Julius Wealth Advisors. Financial literacy: ways we can teach and promote financial literacy in the United States and our children. We have a special guest on here to discuss this, Kelly Klingeman of Kelly Klingeman Financial Planning, who also I discovered shares this passion on financial literacy and also brings it into her own practice. Be sure to listen to the end of the show where I bring up some statistics that will probably blow your mind on financial literacy in this country and with our children and also the importance of building confidence in yourself and especially your children and how this can promote great financial literacy habits. So sit back, relax, and welcome to episode nine of the Big Bo Show. Oh, back to school, back to school to prove to dad that I'm not a fool. I got my lunch packed up, my boots tied tight. I hope I don't get in a fight. Oh, back to school. Back to school, back to school. Well, here goes nothing. All right, welcome to the start of episode nine of the Big Boy Show. I'm excited, very excited to have Kelly Klingeman onto the show to talk about a topic that it seems that we're both extremely passionate about. So with that said, Kelly, can you please uh, introduce yourself and give us a little bit of a background on what made you so passionate about financial literacy? Yeah, thanks for having me on the show, Jason. Um, No problem. I I just recently switched switched jobs, I guess. I left my longtime job, corporate job, and decided to start my own financial planning firm, much like yourself. Um, So I serve mainly dual career couples who are in their 30s and 40s and help with all different aspects of their financial life. And most of the clients I work with have little kids, young kids. They're starting to think about growing their family if they don't have kids yet. And I also have young kids. So financial literacy and teaching kids how to be savvy with their money is definitely a big topic that we tend to cover in our conversations together. I think I was lucky to have a family that was very open about talking about money as I grew up. And I also grew up in a 
in a house where my mom made a lot more money than my dad. She was the breadwinner. And I think something about that made her want to educate me and my younger sister about money from a pretty early age. So I think just having that influence, it, it sunk in early on that I needed to pass that on to my kids as well. Um, as you and I both know, it's, it's tough to get good financial literacy coming up in the school systems. Uh, you might get lucky and, and happen to take a class that teaches you some helpful things, but it's definitely not consistent. So figuring out ways I can pass on some good money lessons to my kids. I'm always trying to get new ideas and talk with other people like yourself to see what else I can teach them. So they're hopefully better prepared for life in the real world than they would have been otherwise if we hadn't had those conversations. Fantastic. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll get into some specifics you know, throughout the conversation, but sounds to me like uh, your mom was very instrumental in uh, forming your, your mindset on money and personal finances. I guess, can you just touch on some specific memories that, that you have from your mom that helped shape you? Yeah, so maybe a little more background on her. She is an ocean engineer, so she loves numbers, loves data. It you know, really excites Loves the ocean, her. I assume, too. <laughs> loves the ocean. <laughs> we grew up in Houston, Texas, so very much a part of like the oil and gas industry. And she actually would design offshore oil rigs and the boats, the platforms that would bring them overseas from where they were being built over in Europe. So That's very cool. specific work that she did. She loved numbers. And I think she always wanted one of us to follow in her footsteps and be an engineer as well. And I, I'm the older daughter. She also has a, another daughter, my sister. And I think I had more of an interest in numbers, but I don't think I had the same aptitude for it as my mom as much as she would have liked. But early on, she was like, you need to have a, you know, a passion for numbers in some way. So when I started elementary school, she helped me set up a savings account. And it was actually something that was offered through my elementary school where we were given a big purse, like where you could collect your coins and your dollar bills. And we had our name written on it in a Sharpie, I remember. And throughout the week, you'd collect money in it and then you could bring it to school on Friday. And in the cafeteria, you'd walk up to the stage and a local bank was set up where we had gone to open our own little savings account and you could deposit your money with them and it would go into your bank and then you'd keep track of it in your own little register. And I remember my mom helping me learn how to, how to do the check register, how to write a check. <laughs> I mean, all these things that I think we take for granted now because we don't yeah, use those don't that. <laughs> But I mean, just, I remember that so vividly early on, like, hey, you need to start being more mindful about money that you're receiving, whether it's like birthday money or, um, you know, we would do things around the house and try to earn extra money too. And she was like, we don't want to just, you know, spend all this. We want to save some of it. And so her helping me set up that savings account is always a very vivid memory of those early days. Very cool. Very cool. So you touched on, you know, I, one the takeaway there I had like passion for for numbers, right? Um, but it's it's interesting you say that because with two kids of my own, it's you don't, you know, people have work, you know, they typically work with one side of their brain, either your left side or right side, and you either have a passion for numbers or you potentially struggle with numbers, right? So it probably seems that you had some 
you were good with numbers. Maybe you didn't have the same passion um, as your mother, but that leads us interesting, uh, interestingly into to one of my other questions is, you know, is children, right? You have two children of your own, uh, Leighton and, and Kate. I have two children of my own as well. Um, I think our kids are roughly the same age, just reversed. I have an older boy and, and a younger girl, and you have an older girl and a younger boy. Um, but it, it leads that into like, okay, if every child is is created differently. I think that's one of the biggest shocks that I've had um, being a father, right? My brother and I were totally different growing <laughs> up, and I was just like, how is this possible? We like grew up under <laughs> the same roof and have the same parents and same, very same genes. And I have my own two kids. And I'm just like, ah, now I get it. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> <laughs> now I get it. There's really, you know, it's the nature versus nurture sort of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess my question to you is like with two children, like is what are, what are some of the valuable ways, like knowing that every child is different um, that you try to teach your own children about, about money? I, it made me think just of my daughter immediately and how different her personality is from me and my husband and also from her younger brother. She seems to have this like scarcity mindset where if she gets candy or a snack or money, she needs to eat it right away. She needs to use it right away or else she's not going to get it back. And she's really worried, which is so interesting to me because we are very lucky and blessed to have great jobs. We're always able to provide for our kids and and she's not really having that life experience, but just an example, it goes to show that that nature versus nurture is, is hard to combat. Um, One of the things we started doing early on just as a family, even before we talked about money was talking about what we valued as a family. And we actually came up with, I read this in a book somewhere where the, it was a parenting book and they suggested coming up with a set of family values. So words that you could talk about with your kids and tell stories about those words, um, talk about those values playing out in real life. So what we ended up doing was we picked 12 different values and we assigned them to each month of the year. And so every month, since our kids are younger, we try and focus on one at a time. And I think a lot of those values are a good foundation to talking about money in a very healthy way because we can align a lot of, hey, here's how mom and dad are, are spending and saving our money. It's very much in alignment with those values that we've been discussing with y'all together. And I think it sets them up for focusing more on using money for things that are more focused on experiences and time together versus using money to just buy things, and, um, you know, try to keep up with their friends who have the latest gadget and electronic. I mean, my hope is that they're much more interested in, you know, getting out in the world and having great experiences and saving money to prepare for that versus just wanting to spend it all on the latest thing, which I know is tough with younger kids who are very influenced by their friends, as I'm sure you know. So those are some of the things that we had focused on early on. That's cool. Do you notice any like differences between like, you you know, you mentioned your daughter right away. Do you notice any like differences in, in, in between your son and your daughter? Yeah, my my daughter is very strong willed, very loud. Um, she can <laughs> hold a conversation with any adult and has been forever. And my son is the opposite. He's very cautious and quiet. 
and more reserved. And it's like, he's observing the room, whereas she's kind of like in the action. I don't know how that'll play out necessarily with um, their views on, on money yet, but it is funny just to see her, like we've started to pay her a weekly allowance. And I think that is helping with this scarcity mindset that she seemed to just possess automatically. Um, and I'm interested to see how, when we bring him into the fold of, of receiving a weekly allowance, I'm interested to see his take on that too and continue to compare them since they are so very different. That's cool, that's cool. Yeah, for me, um, you know, for, for my two kids, it was, it was very interesting as my son is, um, and I'm not just saying it because he's my son. I try to be objective when it comes to my children, but I know probably not. My son is extremely sharp, like extremely sharp. And he picks things up very quickly. Um, so for him, when when I was, I mean, learn, for me, learning about this stuff when I was young from, from my grandfather, which, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people know if you just, you know, go to my website or or just listen to the first episode of the show. Uh, that was highly influential in my life. So I try to, you know, bring this to my children's lives. But I, I noticed with my son right away um, that I think he could handle some of these concepts at an early age. So it was funny when he was, I want to say, six years old. Um, obviously, he gets you know some money or presents for his birthday or for holidays or this, that and the other. Um and my son had already like already asked me questions about like what I do and stuff like that. So I thought he was like kind of interested in it. So I so I try to teach him a concept of like, hey, you know, Jonathan, um, what would you, which is my son's name, uh, <laughs> uh, I, it, it, when he was uh, his, his birthday rolled around, uh, he always like, oh, I want a toy, I want a toy. So eventually, I said to him, I was like, let me ask you a question. I was like, what do you think is going to create? more value and more wealth for you in the long run buying the toy from the toys from the toy company online or owning the toy company and i thought it was like a pretty big question for a six-year-old yeah (laughs) but remarkably he said oh owning the toy company you know so i was like all right he gets it so um so what we did is like all right so let's start taking your money and owning businesses because owning businesses over time has proven to be a way that you can create wealth versus taking your money and buying a toy. And now the toy is, you're going to use a toy for another three months, maybe six months, and then you're done with it. And now your money's gone. Right. So we ended up doing that right away uh, when he was six years old and and now every time he gets a present, that that's what we do. We have an investment account for him. We open it up. We put the money. I give him a choice. Hey, do you want to buy a toy? What do you want to do? Where do you, where do you want to put your money in, into an investment account? Um, and he always, you know, 90% of the time, says, oh, I want to put it in an investment account. And it's fun to watch him see it grow. It's grown, you know, I've told people this already. Like, it's grown up to... It's a little it's down a little bit now, which is another interesting dynamic because obviously the market's mm-hmm. down. But before the beginning of the year, it got up to ten thousand dollars, right? For him just mm-hmm. putting some money away in the market and it growing since he was six years old. And then now the market's down, obviously, this year. And um, and he's like, Whoa, I lost money. I'm like, Well, you, you didn't necessarily lose money, like net, you're still up, and you really only lose money like 
if that's it, like you're going to give up, like you're only 10 years old at this point, right? Like you got a long way to go. So I think it's like a very interesting, and he also understood that concept, mm-hmm. um, which is great. So it's a pretty cool experiment that I guess I'm running. I love that. <laughs> on my own son. <laughs> well, it makes me think I need to start that. My daughter's six years old. So I'm like, oh, what I think starting so small, but like giving them those real life concepts. I mean, I'm sure she could grasp that now too. And just, yeah, yeah, it's a good way to, to to try, and you have to just kind of like understand it. Like my, I, it's for me. It's like that's why I should question the difference between your son and your daughter. Because I, I mean, my daughter, uh, who I obviously adore, um, she always wants a toy. Like she always chooses toy. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and I give her the same choice. You want a toy, or you want to put? I, I want a toy. Uh, so I'm just like, and then, but the funny thing now is that her brother, her older brother, says, like teaches her these concepts He's like what do you want to do you want a toy like what are you gonna (laughs) so um she needs to hear it from someone that's like her peer versus her dad (laughs) exactly so it's like different different ways so now you know she she gets into it she's not as uh as i guess understanding of these concepts as my son at this age but that's also where it's like funny you see like the difference between nature versus nurture and like you know even when I work with clients, which I'm sure, you know, you experience too, there's, there always appears to be within a relationship, a saver and a spender, right? So it's just interesting to like, see this unfold and in my own life with kids, because obviously, you know, this is, you know, extremely important to me. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what unfolds throughout, throughout life uh, with them. Um, But, you know, moving on to, um, you know, just trying to uh, enhance financial literacy uh, within within this country. I actually stumbled across an article last week as I was uh, researching some different some different things about financial literacy in this country, and I came across this study by the Milken Institute, um, 2021. You know, so kind of hot off the presses, uh, where it said that. Uh, it was a pretty long report, and in it, it came up and said that 53% of adults are what they call financially literate, uh, based on like different tests that they give and questions that they would give. And then there was a score out of a scale of a thousand. The average score for a group of 15-year-olds right, that they gave the same test to 15-year-olds for six six years in a row, the average score on all those cohorts was uh, 506 out of, uh, out of a scale of 1,000. So that's a score of 50.6%. Or if we're talking about school, that'd be a very strong F, right? <laughs> so, um, which I think it's funny and, you know, happy to, to comment on this, but I think it's funny that, like, we get, uh, and actually I had parents over, you know, some people in my house this weekend, they're talking about, oh, name, oh, can you name this country or that state and this and that? And I'm just like, wow, like if someone gave a test to their child on naming the 50 states in this country and they got 25 of them right, people would, like, I would have ventured to say those parents would be so disappointed. <laughs> Right. Like you only know 25 of the 50 states in this country. Mm-hmm. Right. I'll openly admit I probably know all 50 states. But if you ask me the 50 state capitals, Mm-mm. I would maybe get 25. Right. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just funny that like, 
you know, through life, you go through, like, if I never knew the 50 states of this country, or if I knew 25 of them, I'll probably be fine. Probably. But if, but if I got a 50% in understanding money and financial literacy, you're not going to be fine because I most likely most people deal with money 100% of the time every single day, right? <laughs> so it's, it's like, to me, it's just fascinating the, the things that, um, I don't know if we value as a country or the way that we try to teach people in this country. Um, I think our the, the priorities are sort of skewed, right? So I guess no, um, I, for you is like what what are some ideas that you have to promote financial literacy, you know, in this in this great country of ours and and also like the youth specifically? Yeah, I think just what I'm even trying to do just in through the avenue, I guess, of my new business is putting free content out there for people to find that's like, hey, here's some easy ways to start talking to your kids about money, even when they're really little. And I want it to seem like it's not a burden to start doing. I think people are intimidated because maybe based on their own personality, they're just not interested in the numbers and they don't feel equipped to turn around and talk to their kids about it. And I think a lot of that too is like, whatever your own money story is, maybe money was a really tough topic in your house growing up and now you don't know how to talk about it with your own kids. So I think there's a lot of good free content out there nowadays. And unfortunately, maybe that's the only way parents can really feel like they can be equipped to have these conversations is seeking it out themselves. But I would love to see more of a curriculum just in public schools where we talk about more of these concepts on a regular basis, starting in kindergarten and just going forward. I mean, be great to teach kids how to do their taxes and what a <laughs> 401k is, like all these different things that we're just not prepared to know about when we get our first job. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Actually, I've, I've been reading, and I think like um, 14 states in this country now at least institute some sort of financial literacy within schools. I'm not really sure like what concepts they're teaching them. You know, it's something that, that, um, that, you know, for me, obviously right now starting my own business, got to get it growing and all that, but it's something that I plan on actively getting involved in and trying to Mm -hmm. go into, to schools and, and teach, teach schools and children for, you know, pro bono. Um, you know, also for me, what I do uh, in my practice, and maybe you can, you know, start implementing this in yours as well. Not like, I don't want to tell you how to run your business, but. <laughs> always <laughs> but me, need new ideas. <laughs> I always give, I always offer to clients is giving, um, giving their children like free, free one-on-one sessions, right? Okay. Uh, because if you can, change or or not change but like um give some sort of basic understanding to someone when they're younger it it helps right and even if they only say oh they only have five hundred dollars or whatever just like teaching them the simple concepts because i always try to lead with with my firm i always try to just lead with knowledge right i think if you Mm -hmm. teach somebody something it's very valuable, right? And in this industry, I'm not sure, you know, if, if you experience the same thing, but I always think in this industry, a lot of people uh, try to make it gray on purpose, right? Yes. Um, because I, in my opinion, most people in this industry don't even necessarily know what they're doing themselves. So they got to make it gray because it's gray to them. So I don't think they're doing it on purpose. Um, so 
those are some of the little things that that I'm personally trying to do because I think if uh, if we can change um, set a small influence on on you know one by one by one it should hopefully change the dynamics and I see it with you know people in our industry that are younger like you and myself that are realizing that the way that this industry has historically gone about things it just isn't right. <laughs> right. So we're trying, you know, so we're just trying to take it upon ourselves um, to to powerfully and positively influence um, our industry and people's lives. Yeah, I love that you just thinking of just going into your local like your kid's school and seeing if there's opportunities to to speak about these topics. And yeah, we don't have to think so big. We could just start on the local level and makes me think of I think before I had kids. There's a local um, organization called the Financial Literacy Coalition of Central Texas, where I live. And so I would volunteer through that. It was like you go up to the library and they give you some materials and you just go through the materials with people that come by for the free workshop. But just offering more of that for, for kids in the school setting and volunteering more through their school seems like something so easy. And, and yet, like, we're not doing enough of that. So that's a good idea. I'm going to use that. Yeah. Usually the simplest things in life are uh, are the most effective, right? Exactly. Keep it keep it simple. Keep it simple. Um, want to get into? I know you know we touched upon it a little bit, um, but you recently started your own your own company. Um, you can tell people the name of it. I'm happy to have you plug it, whatever. Um, but I just want to understand, you know, discuss how you you know yourself set yourself up to do this. And also had the confidence to sort of like take that leap, if you will. Yeah, um, still definitely feels like I'm building the plane as I'm flying it. I think that's a very common phrase for those of us who have started our own financial planning practice. But we as a family, my husband and I prepared probably for five or six years, uh, saving pretty aggressively for me to quit and launch this business mainly because I was previously the breadwinner in our family. I, we both worked, but I made significantly more money than my husband. So thinking about, okay, well, if that salary is gone, what's the income gap between my husband's salary and what mine used to be that we sort of need to save and prepare for. We also have young kids at the time they were both in daycare. That is quite an expense if, if you know anything about childcare <laughs> costs. Um, I do. Especially in major <laughs> cities. So, uh, just thinking of the fact that kids cost a lot of money. And I am probably more on the conservative end of wanting to save even more than I needed to because it made me feel more secure. So, we saved a lot of my sales bonuses for five plus years and built up a pretty big cushion, kind of a, an emergency fund on steroids, if you will, in a high yield savings account. And then I felt confident enough to, to quit. Um, toward the end, I did a lot of business planning you know, on the side while I was still working, which kind of meant that I had two jobs, plus we had kids as a whole nother job. So a lot of late nights just planning out how I was going to do this. And what was great is I had a good support system. My friends, family, husband, everybody was very supportive of me doing this. They kind of said, yeah, Kelly, you should have done this a while ago. So just go ahead and do it already. Um, but feeling like I had that savings there that would protect us if we needed it was really great. And 
So quit earlier this year, took a little bit of time off, which was nice after just working straight for 12 years and uh, then launched um, you know, this past May. So, um, you know, it's interesting. I'll share this with you. My husband actually got laid off <laughs> right when I launched my business, uh-huh. but we were prepared for that. I mean, we were totally prepared to deal with the fact that like, even if he didn't have an income, uh, it w- and his company was going through like this whole, whole overhaul. So it was not a surprise to us that this happened. Of course, not great timing, but you know, having prepared and saved enough money, we were able to deal with it and move forward and not freak out as much as uh, other people might have if that had happened where both of us had no income for a while. So I think taking the time to plan things out, it makes when you're in it that much more enjoyable because you can actually relax a little more and know like the savings is there. I can focus on building a business in a very thoughtful way in the way that I had always dreamed of doing. That's pretty cool. The, 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 the cool part was that, um, you know, for what we, what we do, I think, you know, I've always, I've always had a background in like investing, right? And, I, and I've always, I've loved and had a passion for investing since I was 10 years old. Um, and then that, that kind of like, um, just coming from my background, I was just like, well, people don't even know what they're doing, right? So like, you gotta like, you have to like plan and you got to educate because if you have the best investments, but you don't even know what you're planning for, like who cares? Right. Mm-hmm. And you have the best, if you're great at planning, but you have terrible investments, then like who cares? Right. And then I always tell people, like, if you have great planning and great investing, but your behavior is terrible, that's going to derail all of that. And that's kind of interesting that that's what you do. And then also, that kind of happened to you, right? Like you were planning and planning and planning, and then you made this launch, and then your your husband uh, unfortunately got laid off. But it seems to me like you kind of just like your behavior was 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 fine because you're like, all right, well, I, I did planning, I thought this through, and um, I have my investments are are fine, and 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 you were able to power through. So that's that's awesome to hear that you know life. Um, I tell people like, you know, you can plan all you want, but eventually life happens, right? Like, so uh, it, like it plan, will happen. You know, right? Yeah. Whether like, you like it or the, not. <laughs> like plan for the worst and hope for the best versus people yeah. that plan for the best. And then if the worst happens, they're kind of like, uh, you know, not good. So that's, that's pretty cool. It's very powerful. Uh, that, that happened. So very, very, I commend you for that. And I think the biggest thing also is, you know, you said, you said confidence. So like, how did you get, um, you know, the confidence? Cause I think that just, um, in observing people, right. I've always been a highly confident person. Just, I think I got that because I, you know, just from my background and, uh, in life. And I think just like playing sports and stuff like mm-hmm. that, I just became like a very confident person. And then I always tell people like confidence is like 99% of life. Like you can, which I think is extreme as I teach my own kids, right? It's like, you have to believe in yourself and you got to have confidence in yourself um, because you could be the smartest person in the world and have no confidence and your smarts will go nowhere. Exactly. 
Yeah. You could also not be smart and have a lot of confidence, and you probably will get a little bit further than the person that's a genius, mm-hmm. right? So oh, talk okay. a little bit about like like confidence and and how that uh, and how you got that, and 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 how do you think that sort of translates into financial literacy? I think it's maybe twofold. Part of it was in my prior role, my clients were financial advisors, and. I would come across some of their businesses and I would say to myself, I can't believe this person is like managing people's money and working with clients. Like they don't know how to run a business. Everything seems a mess. So I got a lot of confidence seeing people being successful who were not qualified to be doing what they were doing, which goes back to a point you made earlier. You know, this industry in general is very hard to tell who's a good financial advisor and and who may just be, you know, a salesperson trying to sell you something. And so people get away with calling themselves financial advisor when maybe they're not quite qualified to be doing that. So that helped for sure. I was like, man, I got to get out there if these people are running a successful business and yet on the inside, it looks the way it does. Um, So that helped. So that was years, you know, 10 plus years of being exposed to different people's businesses. And I would sort of say, oh, I like what you do there, or I wouldn't do that, and gathering ideas and feeling like I was studying the industry for so long. So that gave me a lot of confidence. And um, I think being a woman in the industry that I've grown up in, (laughs) you you get some thick skin. Um, I was usually the only woman in a room, especially as I got higher up at my prior company. And really wonderful people that I worked with, but um, a lot of times people just didn't have the same lived experience as me. And I, I realized I had to speak up a lot louder than maybe other people had to. Nice. And, and that helped too, right? It was just sort of forced me to, to see that nobody else was going to speak up for me. So I had to try. And I was trial and error of, of going through situations where I didn't stand up for myself and was sort of discouraged. Um, so a lot of years of that, I think, was also helpful. And the support system of the network that I'm a part of and peers in the industry have been super helpful to be like, no, you need to be out here doing this. So I think that has also given me a lot of confidence, too. Very cool. Very cool. I love it. I love it. Um, so final question. I always ask people, all, all guests on, on the show, because I, I think in life you have to... Um, as I tell people, my core values, you have to have integrity, you got to have knowledge and then, but most importantly, you also have to have passion, right? We all only get one shot at life. And if you're not passionate about what you do, well then like, who cares, right? So I would love to understand outside of your family and outside of, you know, uh, your business, what your biggest passion in life is and why. I think you and I talked about this a little bit. We both come from sports backgrounds. So I'm, I'm always continuing to be really passionate about sports. I grew up playing club volleyball, so I really love playing sand volleyball, even as an adult. And I, in, in the same way I want my kids to learn about money, I would love for them to be a part of, have sports be a part of their life in some way. I don't know if I can necessarily force that, but sort of like giving them that positive exposure to it you know, having them come watch me play in the sand volleyball league that I play in, or just getting out there and being outdoors instead of inside in front of the TV as much as we can. 
I think our family is is very much into the outdoor experience. My husband too, he grew up playing water sports and being out on the lake, wakeboarding. So I think we just together have a really big interest in being active and being healthy through playing sports and being outdoors. And if I can pass that to my kids and have them have a similar sort of passion for getting out there and, you know, getting their heart rate up, running around the block and getting on their bike, you know, falling down, skinning their knee, like whatever it is, do something outside. Then hopefully I would feel like that's a successful way to, to raise a family. If we can all have that value together. Awesome. Awesome. Great to know. One thing you said there is uh, you can't force your kids into, uh, <laughs> into wanting to play into playing sports. And it's funny you said that because that, that's a valuable lesson I learned. With my son, um, when when he was younger, I, you know, obviously, I think you know, and some of the listeners know, I played football in high school and in college, and just loved the game of football. Um, so the second he was born, I was just like, oh, let's watch football, forcing, and he's just like, now he he sort of like rebelled, <laughs> he like couldn't stand it. Um, and then when it came to teaching him baseball, I was just like, all right, like let him just pick it up. Right. I'm not going to force it. And now he like loves it. Yeah. And now it's also interesting with football since I stopped sort of like pushing it on him. He's actually now becoming interested in it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like last night he, you know, he wanted to watch Tom Brady play, you know, they're playing Sunday night football. So he's like, Oh dad, Tom Brady's playing, you know, can I, can I watch the game with you? So I was like, okay, cool. Sure. No problem. Oh, awesome. <laughs> so he probably also liked it because he got to stay up till like 11 o'clock at night which mm-hmm. you know which isn't his bedtime typically at nine but but that's a whole nother story mm-hmm. um all right well i appreciate it kelly this is this has been fantastic i really thank you for your time and you know coming on to the show i think you you provided a lot of valuable lessons on on financial literacy about confidence about you know teaching our kids um and uh, really appreciate you having on having you on to the show appreciate yeah thank it. you so much jason i really enjoyed the conversation today thank you all the best growing up jason blumstein had become accustomed to a life of financial struggle and frustration his grandfather julius took the time to teach him the difference financial literacy can make Since then, Jason has Julius to thank for pulling him out of the mud and pushing him to become empowered, educated, and independent. We want Julius Wealth Advisors to do the same for you. At Julius Wealth Advisors, we are committed to continuing the legacy of literacy and learning. Advising to us is much more than simply telling our clients what to do, it's teaching them how to do it. Our emphasis on client education is founded on the fact that we've seen its benefits firsthand. Our lives and our firm are built by the tools wise friends and family members have passed down to us, and our passion is to pass these tools onto you. Please call us at 201-289-9181 or email at info at juliuswealthadvisors.com to take your first step to be empowered to live your best financial life. So let's wrap things up on episode nine of the Big Both Show, Back to School, ways we can teach ourselves and our children about financial literacy in the great United States of America. And a few takeaways from the show. Though we are the wealthiest 
country out there, the statistics on a lack of financial literacy to me are alarming. According to the Milken Institute study in 2021, only 53% of U.S. adults are classified as having financial literacy and our children are scoring a 50.6% on tests that we're giving on financial literacy. Also, a way that you can help promote financial literacy with your kids. Teach them the concept of, would you rather buy a toy from the business or own the business? Number three, the importance of confidence. The importance of confidence in yourself and the importance of confidence in your children, where I always joke around with people and I say 99% of life, in my opinion, is confidence. So I hope you enjoyed episode nine of the Big Bo Show. As always, I'm going to remind you to live a life of integrity, live a life of knowledge, always obtain as much knowledge as you can, and importantly, live a life of passion. Until next time, all the best. Welf Advisors.